Hello, welcome to your favorite show. It's the new guys. <laughs> it's me, Gabe S. Dunn, joined as always by my co-host, River Butcher. We are two trans guys. This is a show for everyone, uh, but also by <laughs> us. <laughs> Gabe, you're singing it in the weirdest I know, way. I know. I try to introduce, okay, I try to introduce the show <laughs> in a way that's like not boring, but like gets all the stuff out of the way. Like, <laughs> like halfway through, you truly sounded like you were so bored. <laughs> I did. I wasn't trying to. It's, it's like this. <laughs> no, it's just funny. <laughs> It's just funny that you're like, I wanted it to not be boring. And you're like, I don't know. It's this podcast. <laughs> uh, this is why it works. You know, this is why we do it. We, I'm River, by the way. This other guy that's talking. We hopped on and we're dressed the same. Yeah. we. Yeah. I mean, this happens all the time. The only thing that's different is the glasses. I finally got, you know, not trans guy glasses, I guess. Gag. What <laughs> are you know trans what I mean? guy glasses, River? Uh, well, I had your same glasses <laughs> forever. We got on the podcast with uh, with uh, what's his name? Can I think it was? Uh, does the uh, Portland journalism? Oh, Tuck. Uh, Tuck. And we looked exactly, and up. we all had the same glasses. That's all I mean. I know, we all looked <laughs> like, alike. I was like, all right, I got to find something a little bit different. We're both wearing. But yeah, we're doing our tie dye vibe today. Um, yeah, we're in our feelings, which is good because of the guest. You want to let everybody know who the guest is going to be? I'm so excited. River and I showed up here in our finest tie dye. To introduce uh, Allo Johnston, who's our guest. Uh, their handle is the Trans Therapist, and yep. Lord knows we need it here on this. Absolutely, show. I desperately need therapy mm -hmm. uh, all the time. So highly recommend. Yeah, so we're gonna get into, uh, and it's a great interview. Yeah, it's great. We're gonna get into uh, therapy and trans and transness. Um, two things <laughs> yeah. that wow historically go together. That's right. Um, <laughs> Okay, but first, we're going to get into a listener mail, M-A-L-E. If That's you right. want to make a listener mail jingle, write in. Send us a jingle. Oh, my God. Please do that yeah. for us. Should we also say uh, in the in the mood for giving, because you're talking about mm. uh, giving us a jingle, mm -hmm. um, we would like to ask y'all's help, because we appreciate you so much, and we really love making this podcast, but times are very tight, and uh, <laughs> we... Need your help with the expenses of the podcast, which are very low. That's true. Um, it's not a lot. It's just that we like to pay our awesome producer, Logan Castrodali, for, for work. Yes. Um, and it's becoming difficult for both Gabe and I to do that. Yes. Uh, because work is very hard to come by these days. And I don't think it's going to be like that forever. Oh, yeah. But for right now, we do actually need your help. And uh, we don't have ads or anything like that. We're totally independent. Uh, but if... If you gave even a dollar per episode that you listen uh, to the new guys, it would help us out tremendously. And it might even help us do more things with the podcast that we would love to do for you. Yeah. Uh, because we've heard how much you love it and we really appreciate that. We would love to do it more. So Gabe, can you let people know how they can support the show? Yes. You can go to co-fi.com slash the new guys. K-O-F-I dot com slash the new guys and you can do monthly you can also do one-time donations mm -hmm. um and basically we're not making any money off this we're just paying we're our producer we're paying for it at yeah. this point <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is hard <laughs> i know but we're doing this out of the kindness of our beautiful well, we enjoy doing it yeah we enjoy and, it and and if you enjoy it and you can spare it like i said two two dollars a month and if most people that subscribe did that like that would really help us out like dramatically so like that would be awesome yeah um well thank you everyone 
Yeah, thanks everybody for considering that because we know times are tough. Yeah. Okay, so we have a listener mail that I, I'll read right now if you would be interested in answering someone's Please read question. that. I would love to hear this listener okay. mail. By the way, we get a lot of listener mail and it's great. Keep it coming. Okay, so this is a message from August, they, he. Hi, River and Gabe. I recently found your podcast and it's becoming my go-to while working. About two months ago, I was hired as a screen printer at a local print shop. It's the perfect job for me as I get to run my own station and listen to music and podcasts and be in my own world while creating and getting work done. It pays well and I feel stable. The only issues is I'm not out. A friend who works at another local print shop told me it's Republican owned and they were anti-mask during the height of the pandemic. Knowing this going in, I didn't introduce myself with any pronouns and let them assume. I'm trans mask pre everything and look fairly femme. They use she her for me. I'm currently pursuing top surgery, and my goal is to get it in the next year, year and a half. I'd also like to go on tea in the future. I've been trying to figure out how this will work out at my job. I like my coworkers. I love the work I'm doing. But a part of me is worried about how coming out will impact my job and sense of stability. I've had to have long conversations about respecting trans people at previous jobs, and it sucks. Politics have never come up at work, so I don't know their feelings towards queer LGBTQ plus people, but knowing they're Republican and the Midwest town I live in, I'm definitely cautious. And for reference, I'm out pretty much everywhere except at work. I'm curious to hear if either of you have experience with coming out, being out at work, and your thoughts on the situation. I appreciate y'all. Thanks, August they he. Yikes! Do you want me to start? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. So... First of all, August, I also was a screen printer. It's a real fun job. I, I miss it all the time. It was cool. Um, and second of all, thanks for listening to the show. Third of all, I do just want to take a quick pause and say that you don't know that they're Republican. <laughs> because here's the thing. They haven't made that abundantly clear at work. And so I'm actually going to take like a very chill stance on this. That I understand that they might be Republican. Uh, and they might have had an anti-masking stance. However, you're working in a place where people are treating you with respect based on the way that you, you have presented yourself and you have received these pronouns um, and you haven't set any other parameters. Um, it's possible this might be a good place to work for now. It might be a good place to work with coworkers that treat you kindly, that you enjoy the work and you can get in and just do it and you can build a skill set because screen printing is like an actual skill. <laughs> you know, it's a transferable skill. Um, and so I'm not advocating, hey, don't be out at work and don't do this and don't do that. I'm just saying that it's possible that you're fine exactly where you are at this exact moment. Mm -hmm. And like, it might actually be an okay place to work for now mm -hmm. <laughs> because I, I just have to pause and go, okay, so that you're being told that it's a Republican place and it's this and it's that, that wasn't, that hasn't been shown to you in the actual mm -hmm. place. So we actually like as people and as adults have to just like take respect where we get it and give it back where we get it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so like, I, I'm just like, why start, I, I, and I say this from a position of um, I've I've had experience with other trans people working in places where it's like mega and it's difficult and it's hard. And they're like, I just have to work here because this is the job that I have. And so I'm not saying this from a position of I mean, I am saying it from a p position of privilege. But having had the experience of other folks being like, I just 
I just don't care anymore and I'm just working here and it's not it's not forever. I think there's a pressure on queer people to be like radical change at a place. And um, Mm -hmm. sometimes you just have a job and you're tired. Uh, (laughs) But also, the thing is, is that Republican is kind of a funny thing because I think when like I've known people who are like right wing or whatever and they don't mm-hmm. care about trans people like not to say that mm-hmm. these people don't but like if they know you and they meet you and you're like I'm trans you see, mm-hmm. like there I haven't been met with that much resistance from like individual people mm-hmm. in that way who know me personally because mm-hmm. they're too busy um you know, upset that Obama is from Africa and that the moon landing never happened and that vaccines are giving mm-hmm. people autism, that they don't care about my in, this individual yeah, person and, they know. Um, and also, like, Republican is, like, a big label yeah. that, like, I, I know this is going to sound wacky to a lot of people, but I actually know people who are registered Republican who don't believe any of those right. things. <laughs> who who are actually, like... Uh, they're they're just like i don't know grandfathered in or whatever and i'm i'm not uh, advocating i just i know people that are republican who are who took the vaccine who who just disagree with mask mandates because they feel like it's a a bad practice for the law to tell you what to do and it's like hey i kind of agree with that you know like i I wear a mask but like i you know it's like so i guess what i'm advocating for is like i try not to treat people the way that i'm being treated <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I try to treat people the way that I wish to be treated, you know, because you're not telling us like, hey, they have like MAGA signs on the windows and, they've and they made have terrible all this stuff and they're about queer people. It, and- yeah. You're saying like for all intents and purposes, this is a good workplace. Yeah. And so I do think the thing about being trans is, you know, it's it is very different. It is different than just simply being a lesbian right. or simply being this. It's like. I personally don't want to have to talk about it all the time. I'm not. It's I, I was saying this. I just did a show where I was like, this is nuts that I I like I, t- I come out on stage yes. because otherwise people are like, why is this cis dude talking about this right. stuff? This is confusing. And, <laughs> and, and so also for, I, for both of us, we had to sort of go through it in the public eye, similar to course, how this person will, you know, August will have to um, change in front of people. Eventually. Yeah. Yes. And so like, I guess I'm just like, you know, if if I wasn't a public, I don't know when and where I would do it. And like now when I'm just out in my life and I'm meeting people like and I know this is different than working with somebody, but it's just like even getting close to some people, I'm like, I I don't really want to come out about this necessarily. Or I'm like, I don't want to do it right now. So like it just like you were sort of saying, Gabe, is like. Sometimes for me, the radical thing is being like, I'm actually okay Mm -hmm. in this moment. Like, I'm actually okay where I am. I'm okay with myself and I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong and I'm not actually hiding, you know, like just because I'm not disclosing in this exact moment or I haven't yet doesn't mean I'm not doing it. Doesn't mean I'm not living. That's what I was (laughs) going to say is that you don't have to say anything at a certain point. Like your medical history is not your workplace's business. So like Yeah, there are HIPAA laws. Yeah, so like if you get <laughs> you know? surgery, you don't have to say what it's for. You can just be like I'm having no. surgery. And then I'm having a medical yeah. procedure. Or uh <laughs> you go on testosterone, uh, you know, is it it's going to be a little rude for them to be like you have hair on your face. You know what I mean? Like let it make it their <clears throat> burden. Yeah. It's their burden, but it's, not yeah, your and burden. And that's and 
Yeah, and that's also just, you know, like, I totally hear you, Gabe, and I'm not negating it. It's just, it's also future tripping. Right. That, like, you, you just don't have to worry about it right yeah. now. And, like, that's the thing is, like, sometimes you just clock in and you clock out, you know? Like, you're doing your thing, you're listening to stuff, and, like, you know, I mean, I, yeah. Well, you don't make it a big <laughs> deal. Like, you go, hey, um, I just wanted to let every, I just wanted to let everyone know that I'm using, I'm using, he, you can use he, him for me, and I've changed my name. Okay, moving on. If you do, if you do, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, yeah. It's just, I guess my point that I really just really want to stay in is that like, it sounds like you have a really good situation yeah. right now. And you're not saying I feel so terrible. Right. right. <laughs> you're like, it's actually pretty good and it's fine. Right. It sounds like something's gnawing at you that you feel like you're not doing something that you think you should right. be doing. And so that's why I'm really like, yeah, maybe you don't in this moment. Yeah. Maybe everything's all good. And you just like go to work and you and you like have your nice conversation with your coworkers. And when you get to it, you get to it and you write us a new email <laughs> when you're ready to do that. But it's just like, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like everything can happen as it happens. Like we don't have to rush things. And I think, you know, with social media is important and it's changed a lot and it's helped us a lot. And I think this was always, it's always going to happen in the queer community because we live within mainstream society mm -hmm. and we feel like we owe things to each other and we're not this and we're not that. And we need to, it's just like, to me, August, it sounds like you're right where you need to be. And I don't feel like you really need to do anything differently. You know, like it just doesn't, mm -hmm. we, we don't have to crusade things at every moment. Right. You know, we can, we can live radically by like taking care of ourselves and, and doing things in other parts of our lives, you know? I love this show. I love this show. I love that we get to say things. I just, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with us. Well. Me too. Cause I'm like, I firmly believe in the, the Harvey Milk of it all, which is like, they shattered the closets. It's like, we all get to f have our own journey and stuff. I just, the closet isn't there, you know, it just isn't there. And so I get to just choose that. And I don't, even though it comes up, it's like every time it comes up, I just get to be like, oh, I, I'm actually right where I need to be and nothing needs to be different. How? Because I accept myself, you know? How beautiful to go into a therapy episode on that note. That's right. <laughs> I just love what you said and I love our show. Okay, well. Yeah, it's great. Thank you, August, for writing in. I love what you said too. Yeah, thank you, August. And um, and now we're gonna take a little break and then we'll be back with uh, Aloe Johnson, the trans therapist. So stick around. Hell yeah. Hello and welcome back. Uh, we are now here with our interview section with um, Aloe Johnston, who you might know on Instagram as at the trans therapist, which is an incredible. I can't believe you got that handle. That's great job. Everyone says that. Great and job I didn't on the even, I wasn't even trying that hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was just available in 2020. You think probably there wasn't like uh, like that many trans therapists? There must be. There weren't as many before, but yeah, I don't know. I guess no one was on top of this social media game, and <laughs> I was the only one. That's funny. Can I share like a, a mild aside in the intro? <laughs> Is that I recently got back on LinkedIn because um, that's how the economy is going. Sure. And I knew I had one before with my old name, and so I was trying to like get back into it, and it just kept saying like there's no 
there's no account for this email. I went back like a bunch of different emails and I was like, that's weird. So I just made a new one. And then I was like, huh, let me look up my old name and see what it is. And it's someone else. <laughs> it's someone else with my old name. Who's That's just so like weird. A baker in Canada or something. What? It's, it's like not even, it's like an obscure name too. That's so funny. I know. <laughs> anyway, so congrats on the handle, Allo. Like great call. Great Thank job. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for being We're here. So really excited to talk to you. Uh, what's it like to be the one and only trans therapist out there in the world? <laughs> the trans therapist. I will say I tried to see if uh, amitrans.com was available and someone's selling it for like $50,000. Oh. I was like, it's not going to be me. Yeah. That one's not going to be mine. Oh my God. And then I would get it and then I would just, you open the page and it just says yes with a little, with the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the goal. I mean, you know, maybe a small tag to the book, but it was just going to say yes. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. So how did you um, become a therapist and were you always going to specialize in, in this kind of gender topic stuff or was that, how did that all go together? I think I had the like normal therapist story where every therapist I know has always been the person that like people on the bus will tell their life story to. So I was always that person. Mm -hmm. Something about my face was like, please share all of your trauma (laughs) with me. Um, I had to figure out how to have boundaries, um, which I wasn't sure I would know how to do. Uh, it seemed overwhelming to listen to everyone's trauma and then put it down and go home and be a person who wasn't burdened by all of those things. Um, but as I was um, in undergrad, I started taking psychology classes and I started figuring out my own gender. And I think my very non-specific I want to help people became a, oh, I really like talking about gender. And it turns out I can talk about gender endlessly. So that was convenient. And I don't think there's a lot of therapists, especially at that time, there weren't a lot of therapists who were trans and had that like um, personal experience. So that felt really important to me. And I was figuring out how to have boundaries, which was great. Um, And then I went to Antioch, which has an LGBT specialization and all of that sort of came together while I was, you know, three months on T when I started grad school and got to have my own process of, you know, transition and becoming a therapist at the same time, which they very felt like very parallel experiences. So can I ask, like, in, in in the therapeutic area... Um, like where, like what, what kind of, uh, like psychology or, or therapy do you practice? Yeah, I practice, I mean, I'm a marriage and family therapist, which I think Mm -hmm. is a misleading title because I mostly see individuals and many people don't see couples or families, but you know, (laughs) uh, I always had the hope of being able to work obviously with trans people and I work primarily with adolescents and adults Mm -hmm. Um, and when I was at Antioch, you know, there's a lot of theories. There's They teach you a ton of theoretical orientations like CBT and uh, psychodynamic and all of these things. And you're sort of mm-hmm. just like, here, pick <laughs> one. Um, but there isn't, none of them are built for queer people. None of them, you mm. know, the theories are not specifically about LGBT people. So they're sort of teaching LGBT affirmative therapy, which I don't know mm-hmm. is officially recognized in any capacity. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think to me, that sort of felt like, oh, okay no one's ever put specifically trans people at the forefront of any of this. And what would it mean to like actually have a therapy practice that was, you know, by trans people for trans people, like all of this was at the forefront of like everything that I was considering. Cause I think, you know, the way you talk about trauma in terms of internalized transphobia and like growing up a closeted kid, those obviously impact you 
your whole life, even before mm-hmm. you know that that's what's impacting you. Mm-hmm. And those things aren't really traditionally being discussed when you are like reading a book about trauma. Yeah, I mean, for for the longest time, we've been in the books that that are saying like, "Hey, that's a problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the thing you're the thing you have is a problem." And then it's like to me, like the affirming care is like it's a step in the right direction, but it's still uh, the the central idea is that there's this normal thing over here, and we affirm you from yeah. where we are, kind of, you know. Yeah, and I think traditionally being trans and like transitioning has been like a last ditch thing that like obviously you know back in the day it was like a perversion and a mental illness is people were just like don't do that you're wrong uh and progress i guess was like the movement towards okay well i guess if this is how you have to live and this is the only way and like otherwise you won't be able to survive then i I guess you can or like (laughs) there's no positivity in it there's no ability to be like this is just a thing that people are that has no like moral goodness or badness like it is just you know like something that is a normal uh experience of being human and you know going from and i think that's what you know internalized transphobia of like people sort of fighting that for such a long time is you're whole life you're being told this is the worst thing that could happen to you and transitioning is the worst thing you could ever do yeah of course it's gonna take you a while to get there if everyone (laughs) has presented like this is a tragedy your life is a tragedy and you should do everything you can to prevent it and have you tried the one million other options to see if any of those (laughs) other things will make you happy first okay well Mm -hmm. i guess you can transition now You know, what's funny is that so i i'm in like uh i have bipolar disorder and i've been in like a a depressive episode and I've been making content about being depressed and then I've been getting these comments now that I don't think I've ever made content about being depressed now that I'm trans. Obviously, I've made content about being Mm. depressed while while I've been queer. I've been out as queer on the internet since, you know, 2010. But but I've been making content about being depressed and all of a sudden there's these comments that are like, she's still depressed. (laughs) which is like you know that this didn't fix your whole I thought, life i think it's well, horrible but i also find it so not? funny because it's like it's like oh you thought that if i transitioned i would somehow not have bipolar disorder like what was the right so like there is this element of like it will make you happy to do which yes but it's also like not gonna fix everything and it's such a strange expectation that these people had that like as soon as I transitioned, mm-hmm. if I wasn't 100% cured of depression, it had to do with the transness. Right. And imagine that was a standard for anything, like any treatment, any, you know, medication, anything like all of them would be like, oh, they're a failure. It didn't work 100% of the time for 100% of people. And I feel like what mm-hmm. like River was saying of like being trans is the way people have talked about it, it is externally people are traumatizing you. Like it's a traumatic experience, not because being trans is traumatic but because people treat trans people Mm -hmm. terribly so you know maybe that has to do with like why you develop depression (laughs) or you have anxiety or all of these other things that like oh Mm -hmm. that didn't go away even though we treated you like shit for a few (laughs) decades and then you have been on hormones for a little while and you're not happy and i think the like you know when people talk about someone detransitioning which i already think is like a conversation that you obviously doesn't happen with any nuance on the internet but you know Mm -hmm. people are like oh this person was unhappy being trans 
trans and they detransitioned. Therefore, transition is wrong and bad and like not the solution. Mm-hmm. Or like obviously, if you get divorced, people aren't like marriage <laughs> as an institution is a failure. <laughs> You're like maybe that just wasn't right for that person at that time. Since you brought up detransitioning, have you, as a therapist, worked with? And I understand you can't talk about specifics with about your clients and things, but is that something that you also is that's part of your practice? And do you want to have the nuanced conversation on this podcast? Because I feel like it doesn't really happen anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) I will say the nuance, I think, is that like people frequently will sort of stop physical transition or take a break from it. Or they will find out that like, oh, I thought I was a binary trans person. Turns out I'm non-binary. Or I thought I was non-binary. Turns out I'm binary. Or their idea of their gender is actually more complicated than they initially thought, which who knew it's, it's complicated thing. And I think there are billions of gender identities. (laughs) So like maybe the first one you picked wasn't the one that you stick with. But I think when you look at like the data and stuff, you will see the vast majority of people who detransition or sort of like stop socially transitioning, stop physically transitioning for a time, do it because they don't have any support. Like, They live in a place where their family is going to cut them off or they're going to lose their job or, you know, these sort of very basic needs are like not able to be taken care of. So they're like, I need to stop transitioning. And when you follow those people over time, usually if they end up in a better setting where they have a better job or they move or, you know, they're able to have social support, then they will Uh, retransition, which I think... Again, that is the vast, vast, vast majority of people when you start looking at those numbers are like people who temporarily stopped and then Mm -hmm. were able to when they were allowed back uh, and had the ability to like have safety in that. Does it even matter to parse out depression from gender dysphoria, from other mental health issues from or is it like, look, we have to treat this holistically because you live in a society? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so many well-intentioned therapists and I will hear clients come to me after they've seen a bunch of people who are just like, oh, my therapist said we had to deal with the depression first or the trauma first or the whatever first. And it didn't work. They like tried for years to be like, let's get this depression under control. And of course, the problem is they're all connected. Like, and usually I'm just like, if you had just like a big ball of stuff and you're like, let's pull out the depression. Like, it's a giant knot. It's a big tangled mess that I think, if anything, you have to address first is the gender stuff because that's all the underlying piece. And as you said, like, you're not automatically going to not be depressed after. <laughs> but if you're like, I'm non-functionally depressed and nothing has worked, and I'm like, let's focus on gender. Let's focus on, like, getting you what you need. And then I'm like, okay, if your depression goes from, like, to like 20% we can like work a lot better with that 20% like and you know being able to get out of bed Mm -hmm. feeling like there's a future feeling like life is you know maybe worth living because I can envision you know something worthwhile in it Mm -hmm. it's gonna be a lot easier to like work with depression than just being like what's the fucking point I don't see a future I can't imagine myself growing old there's nothing I want that you know like again I think managing Mm -hmm. depression as like this is an episode this is a temporary experience is a lot easier in that capacity. So I think, you know, for me, I'm like the depression, the anxiety, the trauma, the, the all of these things and your gender are all together. Let's talk about them all together. And then, you know, if you feel, and I know the term like post-transition 
doesn't uh, to me i'm like i don't know what that means but for some people i think is more (laughs) helpful than others but like potentially post you know like every surgery you want or you've been on hormones and you've had every change that you want and then you're still experiencing these things then i'm like great like let's process that then and i think it'll be so much clearer at that point where you're like okay Mm -hmm. what are the things that are still lingering what are the things that are still making life hard or it's just like okay you have seasonal Mm. depression and like how do we get through like three months of cold dark sadness (laughs) like just Mm -hmm. strategizing around that you know it's so interesting because i think like, do you ever do like couples therapy or or uh, family therapy with like a trans person and a cis person in their life? Yeah. How how is that for you emotionally? <laughs> it depends. It very much depends. I don't yet usually do family therapy because it brings up a lot of stuff, and I feel like mm-hmm. my many cis ally colleagues can handle that better <laughs> and can show mm-hmm. up for that better in a way that I'm like I don't have to manage my own stuff in that moment so sometimes when it's very you know there's a lot of conflict or it's a very like early stage I'm just like I'm not the person and that's totally fine there are a lot of people who can do this really well uh but other times you know I think with all therapy some people are coming because they're like am I trans this is the dire mm-hmm. life or death question that I need answered right the second some people are like I'm trans and I just want my therapist to like know what that means and not have to explain what dysphoria is or like explain what <laughs> being a trans person on Grinder is like and you know take a whole session for that and you, I can just tell you like this is what happened to me on this app and great yeah you're so, not like an oddity to your therapist I've definitely had therapists where I felt like I was sort of like an interesting fun thing for them which is like not a great feeling (laughs) you're like okay if i have to explain some niche like internet joke that's fine but if i have to explain my entire identity that's exhausting and why am i paying money for this yeah but yeah i think you know sometimes the the couples that i work with you know some people are just like oh here's you know one trans person and one cis person and they're like thinking about opening up their relationship and we want a therapist who understands all of the parts of that um but, you know, I think it, again, sometimes transition is the main point mm-hmm. and sometimes mm-hmm. it isn't. Um, and depending on how that comes up, sometimes I'm like, I'm not the right therapist because this is triggering for yeah. me. I was going to say, because it is interesting to have the, you know, I think like I've had therapists that probably have depression or anxiety, but it's not visible. And I think the way you know, some styles of therapy talk about like your therapist is a blank slate, which I think to me has always felt unrealistic that I'm like, you're always disclosing things to your clients, whether you think you are or not. Like if a person comes to me in my office, the things, the way I decorate the room, if I'm wearing a wedding ring or not, the way I'm dressing, you know, even like when I'm doing mm-hmm. telehealth, like the things you can see behind me in my room, like you're making assumptions about my life. You're, you know, I'm always disclosing various things. And mm-hmm. I think as a trans person, as a queer person, like I've just acknowledged that that is true and I'm not trying to pretend that it's not true. And in fact, can be a benefit. And I think the people who come to me want that benefit of like shared experience. And again, I'm like not trying to make therapy about me i will share things about my life (laughs) if and when they seem relevant but also 
Like, I'm not going to pretend like, oh, sorry, you came to me as a trans person, but I'm not going to ever discuss anything about me being trans. And you're going to have to, like, just guess that maybe I've experienced something similar. Like, I think there can be a benefit to it if it's done well. And I (laughs) sort of personally reject the, like, blank slate is possible. And I'm not aspiring to just be like, you can't know anything about me ever. Yeah. That's why you came here. Yeah, I mean, to me, the 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 that idea of blank slate uh, is pervasive in uh, society and is a colonialist idea. Oh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a colonialist paradigm. It's right, and the people who get away get away with, I will say, like the people who aspire to it, I think, are traditionally the people mm-hmm. who are seen as the norm. Like they are white, they are straight, they are you know able bodied, they are the people who are just like oh yeah i'm just a normal person and you'll think i'm a I'm just person. a universal like, thing there's obviously yeah. a lot <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> the unspoken privilege in that experience where you yeah. just get to be like i am therapist i am not you know an individual that has to share anything about myself and wow. i feel too i feel like perhaps we're moving towards this in it just our humanity that like this is my personal opinion so i'm not i I just want to be very clear i'm not putting this onto your practice whatsoever but that i feel like therapy is supposed to be you know it's it's interdependence right and it's like communal and so how can you have that if the other person is acting as if they're not a person yeah (laughs) you know how can you have that if they're simply like i i am just a a book i'm a manual personified uh, and I have I have no thoughts and opinions on what's going on when I very much in fact do, you know, so it's like we, we have to actually like to me, like lean into those things yeah. because that's actually where the therapy lies. And like, I feel like maybe people would hear I think. I think people hear, you know, like, oh, I want to I, I want to have a trans therapist because I'm trans. No one will understand me and go and like sort of reject that. But this is actually what we should all be doing, you know, is like right. finding our similarities and finding the things uh, b- to guide each other through these experiences instead of like, oh, I have I have to find it out in the wilderness by myself. You yeah, know? <laughs> totally. And every study that is just like, what's the most effective part of therapy is the human relationship, which sort of drives me crazy when people talk about like, oh, someday robots will be able to do this. Like <laughs> right. robots will be able to do like manualized treatments. And if you're talking about like, you know, I think already like the there are programs for veterans and things that they can sort of guide you through these manualized like here's how to get through a panic attack or here's how to get through a flashback. Like, yeah, a program could teach you how to do that, but that's not all therapy is like therapy is my knowledge, but therapy is also the human relationship that is healing other human relationships that you've had in your life where you're like, I've always been rejected for this thing. Can I show this to a human person? and not be rejected Mm -hmm. can i have a healing experience of like not feeling you know that uh this person will abandon me if i say these things like the shame that i think like shame grows in like isolation and darkness and all of those things that Mm -hmm. it's sharing it with a human is important not that sharing it with like a journal is not important but it's not the same like that is a step to being like okay is human connection possible and is it safe and can i move through the world Mm -hmm. where feeling like connecting with people is safe and i think too something that you just said allo about um can i say this to a human person and not be rejected is like or not be abandoned Mm -hmm. um 
first of all, <laughs> deeply important to my own healing. <laughs> Second of all, uh, I feel like, you know, when you were talking about like trans people going to therapy and having, you know, having multiple things because we're human beings, like for me, it was very uh, integral in my experience just like as a person and healing to simply just say to someone, I think I might be trans yeah. and have mm-hmm. that not be a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it. it, it, it that's it, such a huge piece. It's huge. Yes. Go ahead. And I, I've had so many people show up to therapy with me who I think think that process of am I trans is going to take like six months or a year. And then we have like mm-hmm. two sessions and they're like, I think I want to start hormones. And I'm like, that sounds great. And then they start hormones the next <laughs> week. Like they just, I think a lot of people just need permission. And I think not mm-hmm. to say that like they were making a problem where there wasn't one, but I think, you know, a lot of times, obviously people who come to therapy, this isn't like the first day they thought about it. Like it's been sitting there, you know, especially when I write uh, surgery letters for clients, I think there's always that fear of like, what if they haven't thought about this? I'm like, I've never met anyone who's just started thinking about this. And they're like, I'm going to see a therapist tomorrow and get a letter for top (laughs) surgery. Like everyone's like, the second I heard about it, which was three years ago, I knew I needed it. And this is what I've needed my whole life. <laughs> like, And I haven't stopped thinking about exactly. it since. You know, <laughs> it's like, that's what but I've anyway, said. I, I, I trans- say that to people. I'm like, if if you've thought about top surgery more than or three times, like you probably want it. You right. know, <laughs> like, right. It just, and like, yeah. yeah, the reason my book is called Am I Trans Enough is that that question of like, well, you know, does this make me legitimate and authentic? But like the very question, my joke is always like, if I change the DSM diagnosis for gender dysphoria, it would just say, have you ever asked yourself, am I trans enough? Then yes, you are. You're trans. (laughs) Like no one else is thinking about these things. Like, and again, like you said, sure. A cis person could stop and be like, do I want top surgery? Do I want to go on hormones? And I don't think it's this like every day I wake up in a sweat being like, oh God, I think I might be trans. Like, that's kind of a trans experience. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I think just, again, the permission of another person being like, yes, of course you have doubts because you're human and this is a big change and it feels scary. And also your doubts are normal. Your doubts are the same doubts that I had. And yeah, I think good luck. Like go on tea, go on estrogen, like see how that feels for you which is not something that society gives permission for, which again, like if we talk about transition as the worst thing that could ever happen and like the last ditch effort, there's no like, just try it on and see how it goes. It's like such a scary idea to cis people mm-hmm. to be like, okay, just just see how you feel. Because again, it's, you know, this is, you are like, you know, again, the way people talk about like you are mangling your body or this is an irreversible (laughs) change that can never be undone, which I always, first of all, I'm like, you could have surgery and then you could have surgery to reverse it. Many people do for lots of other things. Like you look at, you know, in LA, people are having plastic surgery to reverse their plastic surgery. Like that's not unheard of. That's Mm -hmm. not illegal. Mm -hmm. And second of all, it's not a thing that happens very often if you were the person yeah, who's like really do i want top happen. surgery do i want top surgery do i want top surgery i think you want top yeah. surgery and when i yeah. talk to clients sometimes and i'm like you could always you know have like a breast augmentation if you have top surgery and you don't like it everyone i've ever spoken to has just been like that sounds horrible and i'm like i think that's because you want top surgery and the idea of having <laughs> breasts sounds horrible to you yeah, i don't think yeah. this is as scary 
as it feels because once again like society is just like this is the most extreme possible thing you could do to your body and also just to say i feel like it's really important too for like you were saying before in the you know detransition portion of the conversation Mm -hmm. that like just the conversation and just the like i think i might be trans and that moment and being welcomed in that moment and not immediately rejected and not being like questioned and all those things is important for trans people that want surgery and trans people that don't want surgery Totally, because like that moment i feel like often gets skipped over by a lot of people like everybody in the conversation Mm -hmm. right and so but like in that in there's so much healing in that moment i think therapeutically so i feel like that part of it is is a such a powerful thing that you're doing, you know, to, yeah. be, to be there for somebody to open that door for then. It's like, to me, I just imagine like, you know, another, this, a, a closet, if you will, and all your stuff's in there. And then you open the door, like, oh, I think I might be this thing. And then just everything comes out and you don't have to, you don't have to like manage it anymore. Right. You know? And the fear of like, you know, opening that closet and someone being like, you know, that's disgusting. How, how could you live like mm-hmm. this? And then of course you're going to shut down and like never speak of it ever again. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if someone comes to me and says, I think I want to start hormones, I'm not sure if I'm going to like it, I might stop later. And I'm like, cool, you can do that. And they're like, no one's ever like, it's such a simple thing. (laughs) Like, Just having and again, like, of course, there's some level of like, some people sort of feel that I am an authority. I don't feel like I'm an expert on gender by any means. I don't know what that would mean. But like having someone, you know, with some sort of background in education, potentially can also feel like it gives it weight but you know just the human experience of someone being like yeah you can go on hormones and stay on them for the rest of your life you can do it for a couple months and stop you can do it for a couple months and then stop and then start again like all of those things are allowed and possible and you know there are many trans people who have done all of them you would not be the first Mm -hmm. one and you are not the first person to not know because it's not possible (laughs) to know you cannot know And I think that's the thing where, again, all these well-intentioned therapists are like, are you sure? Are you definitely sure? Let's keep talking until you're sure. And I'm like, you're not sure. You can't be sure. You have to start in order to find out what you're sure of. Like, And many people, they start and they're like, oh, now I'm sure because now I know what it feels like. But like your imagination, for me especially, like I got stuck where I spent like five years thinking about if I wanted to go on testosterone. And my imagination couldn't go beyond a certain point. And just being Mm -hmm. like, it's kind of like walking through fog that each time you take a step, you can see a little bit further, but like no one can tell you what's on the other side. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, as that process continued, I was just like, this is the best thing ever. And why didn't I do this a long time ago? But, you know, that (laughs) was not possible for me to like sit and think about and like theorize about and find that without doing something. I had to take the steps to be like, will I like testosterone? let me be on testosterone. (laughs) Yes. Turns out I do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think I just, when I came out to my therapist, I was fully, even though she is, she was queer. I was, I was like, she's going to tell me this is the dumbest idea I've ever had. This is the most ridiculous, stupid thing. There's no way I'm trans. And she's been my therapist for eight years and there's just no fucking way. And I've never given any indication blah, blah, blah. Um, and then of course, like, I mean, not of course, because I was going to ask you about therapists being, but like, she was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) But like, um, 
but it's the the therapist is a is a human as you said so like it is such a delicate situation and such yeah. a delicate place of power right where you feel like you can your reaction to something can like change you know change someone's trajectory and it's like seems like not really luck of the draw because you have to find a therapist but like there must be people who because therapists because being trans is such a hot button topic <laughs> that it's like you know oh there's there's going to be therapists who have different opinions or they might say oh Allo's just pushing an agenda or they might yeah. be like i'm actually a secret conversion therapy therapist and now you're finding out right now yeah. you know like it's so it's do you like how how does it look in like the therapist colleague sort of area are we what are, what are we winning the war or what's going on i mean i think more and more people are realizing like you know every the American Psychological Association, the American Medical Association, everyone is just like gender dysphoria is real and the only treatment is transition. Like we have tried conversion therapy. It doesn't work. You can either change your brain or you can change your body. No one's figured out how to change your brain. I don't think that's a possible thing that we will figure out with technology down the line. Like this is a very yeah. foundational part of you. No one knows why trans people are trans. No one knows how we hold like gender identity in our brains and our bodies, but we do. And we've tried very hard to change people's brains and it doesn't work. So like you have to accept that like you have to align your body as much as possible with your internal sense of self. And so I think, you know, more and more therapists are admitting that to be true. And even with that being true, I think there are a lot of, again, well-intentioned therapists who want to be allies and like don't really know how or don't know how to support people in their doubts. So I think I see that the most. But again, like I work in California, like I don't know what, you know, uh, the average therapist in like Oklahoma is saying, I'm sure slightly different <laughs> vibe here than there. But, you know, I think... Yeah, there's just a lot of, and a lot of this is so much the repeat of what you saw in the 70s and 80s around, you know, gay and lesbian conversion therapy, again, where people were saying all the same things of like, these are people who like, don't have a father figure, or this is because of trauma, yeah. or like, everything that was thrown at gay people decades ago is being thrown at trans people now. And I think, thankfully, a lot of people are seeing that. And of course, you know, things homosexuality was taken out of the dsm because it's not a mental illness and now we have questions that i think are a little bit complicated because in order to get insurance to pay for surgeries and things like that you have to have a diagnosis so you diagnosis has to exist somewhere in our current medical system which obviously i got lots of feelings about that are bigger than this conversation <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah of course so there is this question of like is it helpful to have a diagnosis written this way in the dsm is it possible for anything to exist in the dsm and not have stigma uh and you know how do we talk about this and the diagnosis is the best it's ever been but that's a really low bar yeah. the way the diagnosis was written <laughs> before was real real bad yeah. and this one's like halfway decent but you know i don't think people feel excited about that uh this is just sort of like a necessary evil in order to access care and i think that really complicates the conversation where people are like well it has to be a mental illness because it's in the dsm and we're like okay what other possibilities exist and i think there are other possibilities um there are other ways to categorize it but it does make a more convoluted question of like do we keep this in the dsm where that wasn't as complicated as do we keep homosexuality in the dsm 
Right, which obviously the answer is yes. <laughs> Just keep it in there. Keep it in. Everything's a problem. It's all a problem. America, the hammer looking for nails. Yeah. yeah. So what, uh, if someone is thinking like, I want to go to therapy, like, and I, but I already know I'm trans. Mm-hmm. What, what would you, what are some of the like things that you would say are, are beneficial that maybe they're not even thinking of? Yeah. I mean, I think I always tell people, especially people who've never been to a therapist before, there's always this feeling of like, this person's really well educated and surely they know what they're talking about. And like, I have to trust and believe them. But I'm just like, trust your gut. If something feels weird or you feel uncomfortable or you feel like you're not being respected, even if you don't know why, even if they have all the right degrees and they're saying all the right words and you still don't like what you're feeling, I'm like, find someone else. There's so much about the (laughs) process of finding a therapist that unfortunately is like dating and you kind of just have to be like, does this click? Does this vibe? That's a big Mm -hmm. deal. And I think people devalue that feeling because they can't sort of articulate why. But you have to feel comfortable with this person. And of course, you're going to grow over time. Like the things you talk about in the first session, hopefully you feel so much more comfortable, you know, two years in. But if there's not an initial level of comfort where you're like, I would like to open up about these deeper things, then it's not going well. And I think also just I (laughs) encourage people to like go on your therapist's website, like find their psychology today profile or wherever they're listed and just like read the kind of language they have. Cause you can get a lot mm-hmm. of information of, is this person generally <laughs> in the same, do we kind of <laughs> yeah. vibe of like politics, which again, like I think that sort of like blank slate therapist is like, Oh, I as a therapist, I'm never going to talk about, you know, politics. And of course, maybe you don't need to be having a like, who are you going to vote for conversation with your therapist? But like your general (laughs) worldviews, like I think as queer people, as trans people, we know that like everything's political, our identities are political. So, you know, I think just getting a vibe for those things, you can get a lot of information on someone's website and any consult call, any first session, just ask truly whatever you want to ask. Uh, and I think anyone who cannot answer your questions in a way that feels satisfying is probably not the right person. Anyone mm-hmm. who can only speak in jargon and you don't know what's going on, <laughs> probably not the right person. You know, I think a lot of times people ask, like, what's your, you know, theoretical orientation or whatever, not really knowing what any of the answers mean, which I'm like, <laughs> not yeah. super helpful. Mm-hmm. If I tell you, like, DBT yeah. and you don't know what DBT is, like, But I think being able to, you know, really sit with someone and be like, what does that mean? Like, what does that look like in a session? And they're like, okay, that feels like what I want Mm -hmm. to do. Or being like, no, I don't actually want to do a bunch of worksheets. Like, I don't think that's what I want to (laughs) do. Like, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think all cis people should also have trans therapists. I think it'd be great. I don't I don't <laughs> understand why it's like, oh, you if you're trans, you go to a trans therapist. If you're black, you go to a black therapist, obviously. But I do think probably all cis people and all white people and all whatever, they should have to have like straight men should have to have one <laughs> year of butch lesbian therapist. I think this is a great plan. And also we will need to fund a lot of people getting through grad school in order for this to happen. <laughs> yeah. Aloe's, Aloe's dance card is full. Yeah. So You're full. like, I actually don't have time to talk to Chad from 
Kappa, Zeta, right. uh, whatever. And 2020, <laughs> which when like everyone was figuring out their identity, that they were queer or trans or neurodivergent or all of the above, which was commonly the case was all of the above, uh, was like, I've had the most people were reaching out to me ever like everyone was sitting with their thoughts and trying to figure out their identity all at the same time and i was just like i can't help everyone which is why i wrote a book <laughs> yeah but like yeah. there are limited you know people who have that specialty if you want to say or just like that knowledge base where you know again they're i've said many times well-intentioned therapists who like really want to be helping and they don't necessarily know how I think it's getting better and more and more people are being trained. But, you know, I think, yeah, there's so many people who are like, I want someone with my life experience. And then you're like, oh, no, there's like five of them and they're all fully. <laughs> yeah. So buy Aloe's book. Yeah, I was going to say Aloe's book. <laughs> Aloe's book and keep listening to this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> keep. And that's like the education is not that it's easy to get, but I'm just like, surround yourself by people who are not a part of your community. Like follow a bunch of people who mm -hmm. are not like you and you will learn things like education doesn't have to be like taking a class or like doing a continuing no. education or whatever like you can just surround yourself with different kinds of people and you will also be educated i would love if you opened your book and it was just blank and it just said yes i mean i know it would <laughs> be a, a short book and maybe harder to publish <laughs> but it would have been much easier to write <laughs> You flip one page, and then the next page is just the cowboy hat emoji guy, and then that's it. End of that's book. the whole book. The intro, I do give away the answer, and I'm like, the answer is yes. But if you would like more information or you're not convinced, here are some more pages. <laughs> Keep reading. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Awesome. So, what, Ella, what is your book called again, just so everybody hears it? And where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Instagram at the trans therapist is primarily where I'm at. Uh, and my book is called Am I Trans Enough? How to Overcome Your Doubts and Find Your Authentic Self. I had to read that off the cover because I forgot what my subtitle was. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on the show. It was really great to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You can email us at thenewguyspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at thenewguyspod. This podcast is edited and produced by Logan Castrodali, music by Atlas Bishop, and art by Maya Scarpa. Thank you.